Welcome to Palm Vista as we continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount. We've entitled the series, Portrait of a Disciple. And today's message is entitled, Heavenly Reward. So we've been working through Matthew 5, verses 17, all the way through to Matthew 6, 21. That's the end of the text that we'll be working through today. And we've been doing it now for three weeks. This is the third week. And in them, Jesus reveals the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the heart of it. Heart righteousness, or we called it whole person righteousness last week, leads to whole living that we are, we do what we are. We, we say who we are. We're not playing games. We're not putting on a production or a show. This is who we really are. And that is emblematic or indicative or is the picture of lives that live for God's heavenly reward. So two weeks ago, heart righteousness. Last week, whole living. Today, we're going to look at God's heavenly reward. Hence, heavenly reward, the title of the message. So living for God's heavenly reward is the point this morning. It's the point Jesus is making on the Sermon on the Mount. So let me ask you a question. What do you live for? Now, typically, when we answer that question... We're going to talk about that thing or those things that we value the most. In our text, those things that we treasure. It it typically talks about the reward that we're going after. The very thing that we hope to achieve. If you can kind of think in your head of a ladder. Imagine there's this ladder. And in this case, there are two ladders. And they're in contrast to each other. And these ladders represent what you're going to pour yourself into, what you're going to be trying to get at the top of this ladder is the reward. And so the question is, what is the reward you're going for? What is the thing you're living for? Who are you? By definition, what I value most, what I treasure, the reward I seek is who I am. It's going to define me. It's going to define where I pour my resources, my money, my time, my efforts, my dreams, what you dream about. What's that thing rolling around in your head right now, beyond lunch, that you're hoping for? Get into college, have that special relationship that the kids would grow up and honor God, that that business would, would succeed. What, what We all live for something. The question isn't, Do we go after rewards? God made us to go after rewards. The question is, what reward will you go after? There's another way to say this. The question isn't whether you will worship. You are a worshiper because God created you to be a worshiper. The question is, what will you worship? This is sort of a a similar vein here. It's It's at the core of the message of the Bible. God made us to be worshipers of him. And sin comes in and perverts that so we become worshipers of idols, normally starting with self and then other things. It's the same thing here. Think of it in the same way, very parallel thinking. God made you to go after a reward. He put that in you. Made you to work hard. Sin comes in and perverts that reward. So instead of the reward being God himself, we substitute some other thing. Those ladders that are propped up against the wall. We're climbing that thing, man. We all have different ones. It could be, Again, a relationship, it could be money, financial security, the approval of a parent, the approval of someone in our lives. 
And, and so we devote ourselves. That's the reward. We, what we think is this, that will give me life. And, and, and see, here's the thing. Um, the Bible teaches us this and theologians have taught this to us for years. Those things typically aren't bad things that we make idols. They're good things. But what happens is we turn those good things into ultimate things. You understand what I'm saying? I can't be happy unless, boom. And the moment I invest into that thing, life, then the motive of my heart is to pursue that thing for, for life. And typically I'm at the center of that conversation. And that's when God comes in his love and touches us and says, no, 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 no. Life is found in me and me alone. So Jesus talks to us about two ladders here. And the way he talks to us about those two ladders is this. Will you practice your righteousness? So he's assuming here, he's saying, yes, heart righteousness, I've made you into a believer. I have saved you. I've given you this righteousness. And I've talked to you about whole living. And now I'm gonna gonna open that picture up a little bit more to say whole living is I'm gonna live for the ladder of God's approval. That's whole living. That's heart righteousness. Or... I'm going to do all these acts of righteousness for man's approval. So if you could just, he makes it, Jesus makes it very simple for us. He just peels it all away. All those ladders we have on the wall, he kind of bunches them into one thing. I'm living for the reputation in the eyes of others. I'm living for myself and that I would be accepted and affirmed and praised, whatever, respected, whatever it is. That's one ladder. And the other ladder is I'm living for God. God's my reward, the praise of man is my reward. That's how it's boiled down here. It's not less than that, but it can expand into many other ways in your life. So it's another way to ask this. What's the object of your life? What do you live for? What will give you life? And here's what Jesus says in the text, summarized in this statement. Live For your heavenly father's eternal reward secured in Christ. Live for your heavenly father's eternal reward secured in Christ. Point one, live for the right reward. Live for the right reward. Turn with me to Matthew 6.1 and let's read that together. Matthew 6.1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Jesus continues his exposition on what whole person righteousness looks like. Last week, he gave us six examples that's revealed that what's in the heart is very important and what you do needs to come out of your heart, who you are. This week, he gives us three examples of what it looks like to practice the righteousness that has been given us in Christ. These three examples are what the church calls spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. They all begin with the word when and they supply the action we're to do to practice our righteousness. Verse two, when you give to the needy. Verse five, when you pray. Verse 16, when you fast. What Jesus addresses here in this text is our heart motivation for practicing these righteous acts that he expects his followers to practice. He expects us to give. He expects us to pray and he expects us to fast. But the question is, why do we do it? 
See, at the root of this text is what reward we live for. Here's your choice. You live for God, your heavenly father. He is our reward. Or you live for man. You live for yourself. You live for the praise of others. As I mentioned before, we all live for reward. That's not the question. The question is for what reward? In what do you invest the ultimate ability to give you life, fulfillment, ultimate happiness? Do we live for the reward of our heavenly father? His acceptance and glory assured us in Christ. If we do, then what we experience is life indeed because our heavenly father's acceptance is sure and eternal. Now in this text, there are two key words that I want you to focus in on. The first word is reward. If you look at verses 1 to 21 in chapter 6 of Matthew, you will see the word reward 10 times. 10 times. This afternoon, find the 10 times. Have your kids go and circle them in your Bible or digitally on your whatever device you have. What, What is being spoken of here in reward is God's favor in Christ. It's, it's all that we long for in eternity. It's what's secured for you in heaven that cannot be taken away. It's the blessing of being his children. God, our heavenly father, is the ultimate reward. The second word that you'll find in the text, and again, you'll find it 10 times in these 21 verses is the word father. The word father here is how Jesus refers to God when he's speaking to us. He identifies God as your father in heaven or your heavenly father. And what he's doing here is he's reminding us of our new identity. Instead of being those orphans that are climbing ladders to nowhere, trying to find ultimate life and fulfillment, we are now sons and daughters climbing the one ladder to somewhere that Jesus provides and actually carries us up. It's it's this distinction. The heavenly father, that picture of God was radical at that point. It really was. To, To call God father was something that was fairly radical and especially something that I could call him my heavenly father. It was there in the Old Testament, but Jesus highlights it here. 10 times he uses the word father because he wants us to know in him we have a new identity. And he wants us to assure that our heavenly father sees us and rewards us as we seek him. Our heavenly father sees us and rewards us as we seek him. So why do we do what we do? We do it out of our new identity in Christ, whole person righteousness, whole living. He's my father. He sees me. He will reward me. I do it for you, Lord. I'm on that ladder that is the ladder of my heavenly father. I don't do what I do to get likes. I don't do what I do 
to finally have my parents approve of my career choice. I don't do what I do so that my fellow workers will finally think I'm great or respect me. I don't even do what I do to get my spouse to love me or respect me. Oh, I want that, and I really am going to be suffering if I don't have that in a marriage, but I do what I do. I love my wife. And I respect, if, as a woman, I respect my husband because my father, my daddy, makes me whole. My wholeness doesn't depend on your acceptance. My wholeness depends on God's acceptance in Christ. And therefore, I'm free to love you even when you are being very mean to me in the terms of my grandchildren. I'm not fragile. My very being and worth and identity isn't held in your hands. It's held in my father's hands, in the nail-scarred hands of Christ. What does that look like? All right, here we go. Starts with our giving. Look at verse two. You can understand when Jesus talked like this, do you understand why when he came down from this mountain, the people go, wow, he spoke with authority. Like even just that little section right there, like, like I'm trembling inside because I'm preaching that knowing that I don't fully live that. Far too often, my identity, my worth, my stability is based on whether you smile at me today or not. I hope that doesn't shock you, right? And then Jesus just says, no, I've got, a, I've got something. It's a, it's a rock that no one can shake, not even illness. And the people go, yes, because in their hearts, God made them for that. And they said, oh, there's something in me that's saying, yeah, I resonate with that. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know if I'll ever arrive at it. But yeah, he, look, at there he goes. He's not like the Pharisees who are beating me up to do something, to be something. But he's telling me, because you are something, I make you something, then you can do it. Whew. That's life. So let's look at what life looks like. Verse two, thus, When you give, he's just assuming you're going to give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is addressing motivation. To sound a trumpet could be likened to posting one's good works on social media to garner likes and the positive comments of others. It could be likened to an actor. And this is the one I resonate with. Because I don't understand social media. I could be all sanctimonious and say, I don't use Facebook. Because I don't understand it, okay? There's no virtue there. But this one I do get. It could be likened to an actor who plays a role for the effect it will have rather than the heart conviction that he or she possesses. And I've spent my whole life acting. You may have too, a couple of times. Because you're hoping to get that response from the crowd. Whether it's your spouse, your neighbor, your friend, your boss. You're just hoping that this performance will win the day. You'll get the applause. That's a terrible way to live. That is not whole life living. That stinks. (laughs) That stinks. God didn't make you to live that way. That's why it stinks so much. You know that. You just don't know how to get out of it. Well, here's, here's, here's Jesus is speaking to us here. See, those Pharisees, they gave to the poor for the praise of man. 
And Jesus says, and you have your reward. I love what one commentator says, Leon Morris. I don't have it on the screen, but just listen. He's commenting on this verse here. They sought the praise of men. They received the praise of men. There is nothing more to come. They cannot expect a heavenly reward in addition, for they have already been, quote, paid in full. Oh, friend, look, I know it's tempting to get paid today, but trust me, there's a payday coming that's way better than today. Do not mortgage eternal payment for the applause of man today. And it's a big temptation. And I'm telling you, I'm one of the biggest offenders on this one. See, the question addressed here is whether our giving is marked by self-sacrifice or self-congratulation. But there's another issue here. And I wanted, this is, I felt like this issue was the issue for some of you here. It's the issue of faith. What, what I think Jesus is meaning by that is this last part of this section where he says, so that, verse four, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's a big question. Do I believe my father who sees in secret will reward me? Keep that question in the back of your mind as we move to prayer. Look at verse five, the second spiritual discipline. And when you pray, he's he's just assuming you're gonna be praying. You must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Notice the contrast. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, verse seven, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The Lord's Prayer stands at the pinnacle of the Sermon on the Mount. And we will devote next week's sermon in its entirety to just the Lord's Prayer. But here's the point. If we believe that God sees and hears and rewards those who seek him, we will pray. If we believe what he says in verse six, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. If we believe that he knows what we need before we ask, it won't cause us to pray less. It will cause us to pray more. Church, I think we're in a battle for faith. I want to say that to you. Shamed is not helpful when we're battling for faith. To sit there and think, oh, don't talk about prayer, Al. Don't shame me. Please don't put another thing on me. That's a lie of the enemy because Jesus isn't shaming us here. He's calling us to faith. I love what the author of Hebrews says, written many years after Jesus spoke these words in Hebrews eleven six. It helps us see this, this fight of faith. Look at it on the screen. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you believe that he exists? 
there are some days that I wonder if I could be open with you. Do you believe that he rewards those who seek him? There are some days I wonder, is it worth it? We're human, folks. Do you understand? This is the primal temptation. At the beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and everything was good, the first temptation was, did God say, and is God for you or is he trying to keep you from being God? This is the fight that we're in, friends. Do I believe God exists? See, because if I question that, if I question that he exists, or at least that he exists, that he's actively involved in my life and will reward me, then I will be much more tempted to live for your praise and what you can give me. And I will start playing the game and Alpino, the actor, act 15 will start again and I'll say what I think you want me to say to get from you what I think is gonna give me life. And it's not like I'm an atheist, but functionally, maybe, because I'm living for what you can give me. And I think that's going to be life, whatever that is for you, whatever it is for me. And Jesus is saying, oh, but I love you. I want to give you this whole life, this whole living, this integrity, this, this sense of, oh God, I, I do believe you're my father. And, and I, what I need right now, God, is more faith. Because I'm even questioning your existence. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And all I see is the wicked prospering. It's like, it's like that scene in It's a Wonderful Life. When old George Bailey is at the bar. He says, oh God, if you exist, you know, help me. He talks about Zuzu, his, uh, one of his daughters. And the teacher who he had just offended on the phone. Her husband is at the bar drinking and when he hears Zuzu and he says, are you the teacher? He punches old George Bailey right in the mouth. And he says, great. I guess God didn't hear me because I prayed and I got punched in the mouth. Right? You pray and you get punched in the mouth. How are you getting punched in the mouth? I can tell you a few ways. I feel like I'm getting punched in the mouth. But ultimately, as in that movie, but much greater in the Bible, that is something God ordained to bring a blessing to old George Bailey. Because God sees things differently than we do. I see them immediately. Give me the applause now. God has this long-term vision. It's called eternity, which is secured for us in Christ. We have it all now. We're fully approved now. We're fully blessed now. Eternity is yours now as much as the day you're gonna see it when Jesus comes back. It is. You don't have to earn it. It's yours, but we got to live in it today. <laughs> so so what, I, I believe that's the word for us as a church, that we fight the fight of faith. How do we do that? Well, church, all I can tell you is how I do it. Um, when, 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 I, when I drag my tired body here on Sunday mornings, I don't know what's going on, man. Maybe it's because the Gators are such a great team and I love watching them till late in the evening. Or maybe it's just I'm 62 and, you know, <laughs> I got some miles on me. But I just wake up, oh, like this morning, I was like, woke up. I'm a morning guy. And I'm like, I, I, by the way, I feel for you guys that aren't morning people. This morning, I wasn't a morning person. Can you imagine that? I didn't jump out of the, hell, let's go fight. Let's go win. I'm usually like that in the morning and at night, I'm like, this morning, I'm just like going, ugh. I get it, guys. I finally got it. It's the first time in a long time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It stinks. 
What's really scary is if I start losing it in the morning and then at night, you know how I get at night, I think, oh man, I just got a couple of hours in the middle of the day. Bummer. Um, but, but I got here and I started worshiping. We're, we're on the fight of faith, okay. And, 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 you know, dear sweet Sonia, and by the way, others of you have a gift, a prophetic gift and stir it up, okay. And she just walks up, you know, and just, you know, hey, yeah. I can't ever hear her because, you know, the band's going on. I'm half deaf and I'm, I got one end of my finger. Like, hey, what are you saying? And, uh, but she's just talking about, here's this scripture in Psalm 101. I just believe the Lord wants to encourage us. He hears our prayers. And I need that. Uh, that. That's like in a boxing match. I'm getting hit with some, you know, right crosses and taking some body blows. You know, that's like the guy in the corner just, you know, <laughs> putting the water on my face, giving me whatever, you know, telling me, get on, get in there. <laughs> and, um, you know, w- w- gathering today, thank you for being here. And if you're not here today, I understand. But listen, man, this is important. When, when we were shouting it to one another, yes, to God, but to one another, he is God. I need to hear that. Uh, during the week, however you can get to whatever group you can get to or a group that you have that we, you know, you just, you're in the word with somebody, you're calling somebody, you're texting somebody, you're saying, hey, I'm thinking of you. I need that during the week, right? And the body blows come fast and hard during the week. Um, I don't know. I, I just, the Lord wants to do that in our midst. It's called the church, right? Okay, last one, fasting. Fasting, oh, <laughs> yes. No, yes, no, yes. <laughs> well, here it is, verse 16. It's in the Bible. And when you fast, hence, he's assuming we do fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others. Now, here's the common theme in all three of these. But by your father who is in secret... And your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's the same, this fight of faith. What is fasting? If you're new to Christianity or maybe you're not a Christian, you're just visiting. It's simply going without food primarily for the purposes of prayer. Um, There are some great resources uh, as we call corporate church-wide fast, which we will do again here in a couple of months. I can't remember exactly when. Or if you just want to fast on your own for a day or two, um, there's a guy named Donald Whitney. Whitney, Donald Whitney who is a professor at Southern Seminary. He's written a great book on the spiritual disciplines, Donald Whitney. Or John Piper, a pastor who's a guy that I would highly recommend to listen to his sermons. He's, John Piper's written a lot about fasting. Uh, read the Bible. Just do a study on fasting. Primarily, as I see it, it's going without food that I would say, Lord, I love you. I, I want to grow my hunger for you. It has at times heightened my sensitivity to the things of God. Listen, those ladders to nowhere are prevalent in my life. They are really, really, like I see them really clearly. I've climbed a bunch of them. I've fallen off of most of them. (laughs) Or they just kind of, you get up to the top and they just tilt back. And you go, "Ah, this is a wrong ladder again. Uh, Fasting helps me see the one ladder and sharpen my vision of that ladder. But more importantly, of my Lord and my Savior, my, my God, my Heavenly Father. So I commend to you fasting. And I think the point is here, why would you fast? Again, it's a heart issue. All right, point two. Not only do we live for the right reward, but we, live, we treasure the right thing. We treasure the right thing. So here at the end of this sermon by Jesus, at the end of this section of the sermon by Jesus, he comes back around to the main point. The main point being, 
live for the right reward, the reward from God, not from man. And he says it a little differently in these last three verses, verse 19 of chapter six. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures. So think of treasures and reward. They're synonymous. the The reward that you're going for is typically the treasure that you seek. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven for neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. And here it is. Here's the main point. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the main point. What you treasure, the reward you go for is who you are. That's what he's saying here. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Our heart here is, is, is describing who we are in all of its entirety. It's everything, all right? It's not just physically your heart or, or your emotions. It's who you are, mind, soul, body, everything. Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. It's, 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 who, it's your being. And the question is, do we treasure and do we pursue God's reward, God, or do we treasure, do we pursue functionally the, the reward of man? what the world can offer us. God's reward brings life. Man's reward, all it can do is eat our life up. You see those three things he talks about? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Later on, he says, neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in. Friends, listen to me. Moths eat at the fabric of our clothing and rust eats at the fabric of the iron and steel and treasuring the wrong thing eats at the fabric of your soul and consumes it. And I was just praying about this this morning and I thought of Jesus' words in John 10.10. This is an amazing scripture, John 10.10. What a contrast. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Same thing, synonymous here. Life is in Christ. Life is in him alone. And when we go after those ladders, when we climb those ladders that are no ladders at all, they're ladders to nowhere, it consumes our soul. We give our lives to these things. And like moth eats up clothing and like rust eats up uh, uh, iron. So these false pursuits, these false gods, living for the approval of man, eats at our soul. And Jesus says, I've come to make you whole, that you might live a life that is eternal in me. Because in heaven, there is no moth, there is no rust, and there are no thieves. The thief is banished. It's just the good shepherd, Jesus. What great news. So the question is, what do we treasure? What do we treasure? Because as he says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, friends, what we treasure is God. God's reward is God himself. Our hearts, our hearts are who we are. And Jesus tells us that who we are is revealed by what we treasure. So who are we? Who are we? We are new creations in Christ. We have been adopted by our father, our heavenly father as his children And we live out of the heart of righteousness that is ours in Christ with wholehearted devotion and delight in our Father. It is all 
by faith in Christ, through the grace of God. It is in Christ and Christ alone and in his word and his word alone that communicates to us and it is for God's glory and God's glory alone, but it manifests itself in my daily living. There is a righteousness that is mine positionally, what's called forensically, legally, but what Jesus is talking about is now living out that righteousness in everyday life. And he gives us the grace to do that. That's who we are. So that what we treasure, well, we treasure God himself. We treasure his eternal reward secured in Christ rather than man's temporal reward stolen by fallen man. We treasure God's heavenly glory kept for us in Christ over man's earthly praise consumed by the ravages of sin. Here's the appeal as we bring this to a close. Live for your heavenly father's eternal reward secured in Christ. God's appeal is for you and for me to get off of these ladders to nowhere that we've erected. Oh friend, let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning in the grace of God, if you are a believer, that you would no longer live for being accepted and praised by others. That you would no longer live for being right and respected by others. That you would no longer live just to be secure and prosperous in the riches of this world. You would no longer live to find that perfect person or that perfect pleasure that you think will make you happy and give you ultimately life. Live for Jesus who descended the great ladder to connect heaven and earth and redeem you and me as his people and carry us up that ladder, which leads to life and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Worship team, would you please join me? Lord, I pray that you would give us grace to to receive this message. Lord, that we would be those who would stop play acting or desperately run up these ladders to nowhere. Some of these ladders are religious ladders. Some of these ladders are just things that we think will make us ultimately happy, pleasure ladders. Some of these ladders are are, are relational ladders to be right or loved or accepted or vindicated. Lord, you've given us all good things, but you've ordered them under your glory. You've given us the command, don't have any other gods before you. Lord, we are idolaters by our fallen nature. Our hearts are like little idol factories just pumping out these bad boys. Good things that we, that we invest life into and make our gods. Lord, we're so grateful that you've forgiven us in Jesus. That you've given us life. You've adopted us as your sons and your daughters. You've removed the strife and the brokenness. Lord, for the broken in our midst right now, I pray that you would give grace. Lord, I think of those that are grieving. I think those who are lost. Lord, would you would you um, comfort them? Lord, I think those who are confused, filled with shame, they find themselves half, halfway up that wrong ladder yet again. They've invested their time and their money and they've been ripped off. 
They've been defrauded of their purity and of their money and of their hopes and of their dreams. And they're, they're just hanging at the middle of the ladder. Or maybe they've just fallen off and they're lying at a heap at the bottom of the ladder. And the, and the ladder itself mocks them. Jesus, would they feel your arms gently pick them up? Pouring in the oil of your grace and mercy. And even carrying us up the ladder to somewhere. Lord, build our faith. We would see you. I pray in Jesus' name. This is a time where we just do business with God. So if you would just stand quietly, just worship him. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And I'll come up and conclude us in a moment.